0: I'm switching it up a bit and I've got a brother and sister duo on and the reason I wanted to have them on is because so often I speak to women across the country who are so successful at these different ideas like last week I had Sarah Hap on I've had Allison Kaye on and a lot of times people forget that there's just as many guys out there creating Awesome, awesome companies that are bringing so much good to the world. So, before I get into this podcast, I wanted to ask you guys to follow. This is Life Unfiltered on social media at at T I L U Podcast on Instagram as well as on Twitter and my personal social media is at Alexa underscore Curtis. And then if you're ever looking for more information about any of my guests, you can head directly to lifeunfilteredwithalexa.com before and after every podcast episode goes up. You can directly listen to all podcast episodes on the website, and you can also find out more about the CEOs and entrepreneurs who I have on the podcast. I also want to give a little thank you to everyone who has supported Fearless Every Day on Radio Disney. I just wrapped one year on that show, and I am now going to pursue this podcast full-time along with my summit and my website, and I just wanted to thank all of you for your ongoing support and for encouraging me to embark on something like Fearless Every Day. It was an awesome, awesome journey. I met so many people, uh, and I'm really excited for what is next. So this week, I've got Jeremy and Sophie on. They founded a company called Fable, which is a really unique company geared towards Awesome, stylish leather leashes, collars, harnesses, and carrying bags for your pets made from luxurious Italian leathers. But Sophie and Jeremy both followed really traditional paths when it came to going to college as well as working in finance. And they've built now, I think this is like their second or third company, which they started about a year ago. So Jeremy and Sophie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Uh, thanks,
1: for having us. thanks so much for having us, Alexa.
0: Well, take everyone listening as well as myself back to the beginning of where you guys both grew up and how your entrepreneurship journey started.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Jeremy and I, we've always communicated and spent a lot of time um, in our personal relationship together, thinking through um, ideas about how to make the world better, about um things we can do, that um, opportunities there are in the world and things that we could do together that um, were kind of interesting from an entrepreneurial perspective. It's kind of the thing when, we, I, I'm not really sure what other brothers and sisters do, but uh, when we get together, we often would think about just kind of what what opportunities there were out there. And so that's really been um, a, a thread throughout our, our childhoods and through our lives um, together. And so the first instance of that was actually... When I was in college and Jeremy was just out of college, when we started doing a little bit of um, real estate investing together in very, very, very tiny commercial uh, real estate opportunities. Um, And that was kind of uh, the first time that we took that, you know, just thinking about what we can do in the world and and actually doing something together and um, went really well. We really loved actually working together, even though it was kind of a side project, obviously I was um, in school and and he was working at the time. Um, But, you know, we, we still, you know, even after I graduated and I was um, trading at a hedge fund and Jeremy was um, working in finance as well at the time, we still, every time we got together would think, you know, what's going on in the world? What can we do? What can we change? What, what would be exciting? um, What would be an exciting opportunity? Um, years later, when I was still trading at that hedge fund and Jeremy was a management consultant, I had started working on some software really just to make my own life easier um, at this hedge fund. Uh, it's a data visualization software, You know, really sort of niche esoteric stuff that I didn't really necessarily think had any application outside of what I was doing. Um, but in one of these times when Jeremy and I were, you know, probably getting takeout and um, watching TV together and talking about, you know, what was cool and what was interesting going on in the world, I, I mentioned that I was working on this, and he saw that there was just a much broader application of this software um, to management consultants in particular, and so that really was the jumping-off point for our first sort of startup opportunity, our first um, real dedicated startup, um, which we called Digit Charts, and uh, that was basically data visualization software for management consultants. It was a type of image processing software that converted um, images of, of charts and graphs um, into raw data. And so that was kind of a perfect example of us combining our, our efforts into seeing that there was something, um, something bigger that we could do uh, jointly yeah. together. And so we uh, worked on building that company for a couple of years and ultimately ended up selling it. And that um, led me into venture capital and Jeremy into working at Jet.com and both sort of got to see a, a broader view of the startup landscape and the opportunities there, um, which eventually led us to our, our third startup, which is Fable
0: is and which we're super excited to chat more about. So you guys are obviously kind of obsessed with the startup culture, which we can talk about a little further on into the episode, but Jeremy, you worked as the head of retail strategy planning and business for jet.com. I love jet.com, but can you explain it for people who are not familiar with the site?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to, um, we're sharing a mic here. So let me know if, uh, if my voice isn't carrying through, um, so yeah jetcom was conceived of as, as sort of a, an everything store online uh, tapping into um, the the growing trend in e-commerce to to, to get everything you need online and um, started by uh, founder Mark Lorre, who had started a company called quidzy which included uh, diapers.com and was acquired by Amazon a number of years ago um, he worked uh, there for a little bit after the acquisition and then started started up jetcom it was kind of a a, uh, um, an attempt to, to build something Amazon-esque, but a little bit more uh, aligned um, uh, among the suppliers and, and customers. Um, you, from a supplier standpoint, there are a lot of friction points uh, when you sell on Amazon.com. And uh, we, th- we, we felt like the experience for customers, uh, while it's become sort of the, the default shopping option for a lot of people, Um People take for granted that the shopping experience isn't great and it's cluttered and you get a lot of fake items sometimes. Those are big challenges uh, whenever you sell in a marketplace online. Uh, and it was sort of a lofty goal to, for Jet to undertake. But um, we felt like we could streamline the shopping experience, curate the assortment, um, and also um, provide incentives for, for retailers to, to ship efficiently and, and make it um, a more holistically uh, virtuous uh, offering.
0: Both of you have been at the forefront of many of these different startup companies, so you both much really have so much experience knowing what makes a startup successful versus not successful. Sophie, you have evaluated nearly a 1,000 startups and invested in 10 companies, including Daily Harvest, which I love, Porter Road Butcher, and Universal Standard. From your experience, what has made those startups in particular uber-successful?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's so much and it's, it is very case specific. Um, I think in in particular with consumer goods, which is what my focus has been um, both on the investing side and then obviously with Fable. One big thing is uh, for founders to be their own users and for founders to really understand the products that they're making and have a direct connect, connection to the pain point that they're solving. Um, you know, I think a, a founder who's creating a product that they themselves are using every single day, um, day in and day out that, you know, they really can bring something unique to that product and market that somebody who is coming from the outside, um, won't necessarily be able to do.
0: Both of you also attended college. I personally didn't go to college, but I speak to many successful entrepreneurs like yourself who have gone from working corporate to then running their own companies. How much did college play a factor in your success and also going on to start your own startups?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I actually, I worked through college. Um, I started working at that hedge fund when I was in high school and worked, straight through college, um, took some time off actually during the, um, during the 2008 recession just to, um, help out on the trading desk because things were uh, pretty crazy at the time. And so I, I always felt like school and work were very intertwined for me. Um, I never really felt like I was getting a pure, um, uh, a a strict scholastic experience. And so work has always been something that excites me and motivates me. And I think that's part of why I decided to approach school that way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I always knew that I wanted to do something that was sort of entrepreneurial and, um, allowed me an opportunity to be sort of independent and think outside the box and, um, I think being able to work while I was studying was really helpful for that because it kind of guided what I was, what I was focusing on in school and, um, and, you know, helped make the the transition into, you know, post post post-graduation life a little bit more, um, structured and, and, um,
0: and specific. And Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, I think
2: that's a really cool and interesting question actually it's not one that you get asked very often. Um, I, uh, I, I I got a sort of a traditional liberal arts education, um, and I think I'm a proponent of it. But I, I I love the angle that you should be very critical in, in thinking of whether college is the right path for you, uh, especially in this day and age where, where costs of college are so uh, exorbitant. Um, so I, I think, from my perspective, having already invested in in the experience, I, I thought it was really valuable and. In, in, Um, helping me think critically through problem solving and and, uh, attack problems in a structured way and build arguments. And really, um, like a liberal arts education is really good at making you assess the source of information and and question its validity and all that, which I think in in today's world is actually uh, invaluable, uh, really assessing whether the information you're getting is is, um, accurate and uh, effective. And and I've applied it in a number of sort of problem solving strategy roles uh, throughout my career. Um, Again, we've got to structure problems, think rationally, uh, think critically about the sources of information and incentives that the the providers of that information have. Um, And I like uh, liberal arts education for that. Um, But again, I think being really strategic and thoughtful about whether it's the right path for someone um, is a great push.
0: And to bring some perspective into this, when did you guys both graduate college?
1: Ouch. Ouch. Uh, I graduated in 2009.
0: Yeah, Uh, 2006. Okay, got it. So when you both left college, it was a little bit before the days of social media. Now everyone has an idea and wants to launch their company on Instagram and become Mm -hmm. successful. Did both of you go right from college to landing your dream job, or was there time in between
1: yeah, since I since I was working um while I was in college, I just transitioned right into that that role full time after college. So there wasn't any break. I think I got maybe 9 days after graduation before I um before I went full time. So Uh, which I regret to some extent, I think it would have been nice to have taken a little bit of a break in between the two. But um, ultimately, 2009 was not a time you could be particularly picky about, (laughs) about starting a job. I was very lucky to have one, um, a lot of people that I went to school with who were graduating that year, obviously did not. So I was just, I was grateful to have the work.
2: Yeah, I would say, uh, from my perspective, I I wouldn't have called my first even, you know, couple of of jobs, dream jobs, but I think they were, um, certainly considered dream jobs for a lot of kids in college, right? The, the, the typical things that, um, uh, striving young adults go for or finance and consulting in, in those gigs. Uh, and from that perspective, it was great to have the opportunity. It was great to further, uh, lay a foundation for a future career, but, Uh, In in, in the moment, especially around 2008 in finance, I can't say that that was like uh, my dream job. And obviously, I didn't stay in finance. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. But I... I don't know if in the moment it was my
0: passion. I'm certainly curious about the finance industry in general because so many people I talk to that have worked finance jobs, first of all, go from working finance to starting these ridiculously successful startups. But everyone who I talk to who works in finance kind of just hates it. But everyone (laughs) seems to stay stay in it. So, I mean you know, not to put you guys on the spot in in terms of whether you hated working in finance, but, uh, you know, is there a way to go into finance and actually love it and not just be in it for the money?
1: Yeah, I mean, finance is such a huge, huge umbrella. There are so many different types of roles within that category. I was very lucky, you know, I never particularly wanted to get into traditional finance. I kind of Ended up there um, by chance, um, but worked at a really wonderful company where I loved the people and was treated extremely well. And so that was great. And it was a very quantitative hedge fund. I studied math in, in undergrad. I've always really loved math. And so from that perspective, it was super challenging and super um super quantitative required a lot of thinking very quickly on your feet, um, doing math very quickly on your feet. And I, I loved it from that perspective. Uh, but there are, you know, 99 out of a hundred other jobs in finance that I absolutely no way could could have possibly done for any extended period of time. So I got lucky. Um, again, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it wasn't my dream career to be in finance. And so ultimately ended up finding a path out into what I was more interested in, which is entrepreneurship. Um, but I think it, there is just a, a whole plethora of different job types and different um, job opportunities within finance that there certainly are ones that can be interesting and challenging depending on what your interests are. I, I think math is certainly one example of that. Math yeah, is, I think
2: in general... Yeah.
1: No, Jeremy, you go.
2: No. Yeah. In general, I think um, like any job in any career, uh, not going into something because it's prestigious uh, is, is the right mentality. You should be going into um, something that has passion points for you. So um, it fits into a broader career path that you imagine for yourself, uh, where it's an investment or and or ideally, um, the specific uh, things that you'll be doing are, are things that get you out of bed in the morning. Um, also, thinking of uh, whatever you're doing uh, through that lens, like you, you, you have to challenge yourself to to find the interesting elements in whatever job you're doing at a given point in time. Right? Like everything has problems to solve. Most people like solving problems. It's just putting your, yourself into that mentality.
0: Certainly. So, right? Well, one of the reasons I didn't go into finance is because I'm so bad at math, but I have so much respect for people who (laughs) work in finance because you're all very good at math. But let me ask you both. Many people who listen to this podcast and follow me in general are struggling with landing their dream job or feeling so frustrated because they cannot figure out what they want to do. As two people who have followed a traditional path when it came to college and working a nine-to-five and have now gone on to start these successful companies, what would you say to them?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a very good
1: question. Um, I think, you know, just for, for me and from my personal experience, even though I did sort of have a traditional career path in that I graduated college and I went to what I wish had been a nine to five job, but a, a sort of traditional finance job, that wasn't what I wanted. That wasn't my dream career. And so I had to sort of force a a path for myself to get to the career that I was interested in, and that involved a lot of working on side projects on nights and weekends, and you know, carving out time even when I was exhausted from my finance job to catch up with Jeremy and think of ideas of other things that we were passionate about. And um, with our last startup, Digit, you know, building that software in my free time and finding time for us to work on a business plan. There, I mean you have to be able to make opportunity for yourself in whatever job and whatever career you're in, but also find time to, to, you know, carve out that path outside of a work environment and in your free time, I think is, is important because, um, some, sometimes the career job that you're in is just not going to get you to the, to the place that you want to be.
2: Yeah. I I would say uh, from my perspective, I, I'm not so sure that I actually did follow a, 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 super traditional path. I, I, um, I jumped around a lot. I, I, I went to fine I started in finance. I, 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 worked for a political campaign briefly. I, um, I explored, I thought I, I might be a lawyer at one point, uh, I worked at a law firm, um, and I, I was a management consultant. Um, so uh, my, you know, if I'm gonna say something to the, to the, to the disaffected uh, youth looking for their ideal career or frustrated that they haven't found their dream job, I would say, um, don't worry at all about that fact. Like uh, you, you you, just, uh, in any role that you're in, uh, if you exert your full energy and effort uh, and are the very best at that job, um, you, you will advance and you'll you'll find opportunities will, will, will present themselves and, and you have to be bold and jump on them when, the, when they do. I think, Sophie and I were very, very, very absurdly, ridiculously lucky to have a supportive family and, and, and have you know resources growing up and, and good educations and, and all that. Not everybody out there has all those advantages underlying and, and supporting our ability to take risks and, and, and chances through life. But everybody has the opportunity to uh, work as hard as they can in any role that they're in and distinguish themselves as the hardest worker, the best at whatever job they're in. And people notice that always. It's so hard to find excellent people. So anybody working really hard and being reliable and efficient will, 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 will rise to the top. And, and you get lots of options, actually, from, from, from being the best at whatever you're doing. Uh, and your network builds itself that way.
0: Of course. Let's talk about your venture into startup culture now. What has been the most difficult part of specifically working on Fable? Because this is so specific quite neat, but you know, to to have two successful finance people start a company about pets. I mean, how did you come up with this idea and what have you learned since launching Fable?
1: Yeah, I think in terms of how uh, we came up with the idea, you know, we've always been huge, huge, huge animal lovers, um, big dog lovers in particular, but just love animals we have our whole lives. And I think I've always wanted to do something related to animals, although I I don't know that either of us ever would have envisioned necessarily this specific route um, until relatively recently when we were both in our – previous role. So I was investing in consumer brands at a venture capital fund called Collaborative Fund. And Jeremy, as you mentioned, was um, at Jet.com running a retail strategy and business development. And so we were both looking at the consumer brand landscape sort of from a big picture perspective and seeing a lot of different companies come into the into this space um, to what we call the direct consumer space, so the consumer brand space building sort of this new wave of um, of uh, more modern um, sort of targeted uh, consumer brands. And both sort of separately and collectively in these get-togethers that we frequently have saw a big opportunity in the pet space, really felt like there was this huge, huge shift in the way that um, people are talking about and thinking about pets. And we've seen a lot of that come to fruition in the uh, pet food space with a number of successful companies in the direct consumer category, um, selling you know, premium, high quality, very thoughtful uh, consumer goods in, in the pet food space, um, and consumers being really, really cognizant and thoughtful about the, the products that they're buying for their pets in that category. But a huge lag uh, when it comes to products, and so we both felt like there was this incredible opportunity to create products that were much more thoughtfully designed, much more high quality, really tailored both for human and pet, um, in a similar way that pet, you know, premium pet food brands have um, been doing that for the past few years, but uh, focused on product. Uh, we're both huge design nerds. We love design. It's something that you know, we both get really excited about. So getting to actually design products that have innovation built into them and and are um, you know a more modern aesthetic than what you typically see on the market, which which tends to be you know either fairly cheap and and low quality or um, or uh, very very high and super expensive. Uh, we felt like there was a really big opportunity for us to build a brand in the middle there um, with much more, you know, with with our own uh, take on design and innovation.
0: When you have that idea like you guys have had, you both are the definition of having that idea and implementing it, which many people shy away from doing. They have that idea, but they're too afraid to just pursue it because of the fear of rejection or it being unsuccessful. How do you go about actually starting that idea and making it come to life?
1: Yeah, I mean, we were very fortunate um, in large part because I was at a venture capital fund um, called Collaborative Fund. And so I was able to get really quick reactions from both my partners at the fund and then from other people that I knew in the venture community about what they thought about the idea. And so it was really, you know, I think that's kind of the first step is to get the idea out there and get feedback from as many people as you can, just to make sure that you're not operating kind of in isolation in the bubble. Um, I think a lot of people, when they have an idea, they're very, um, they're very sort of scared to share it. They're very protective of it. And I think that can sometimes be a mistake because you really do want to get as much feedback from people as you can, as quickly as you can. So that's kind of the first step is just, we saw there was this opportunity. We felt like, you know, it was something we were super, super passionate about and really excited to work on, but wanted to get input from others about whether or not they agreed and um, went to friends and family and uh, members of the venture community who who I knew uh, from from working at CLAB to get their input. Um, and then, you know, collab was really amazing about, um, you know, helping to feed the company. And uh, that was a really, really fortunate and amazing first step of
0: kind of getting things off the ground. Jeremy, any advice for entrepreneurs or young aspiring entrepreneurs out there who want to know how to just take that idea and make it happen?
2: Yeah, I think you made a like in the question, you make a really great point in that you, you, you said Um, you know, so many people have these ideas, but then are afraid to act on it. And that, that, that point that you make is, uh, powerful, um, knowing that there, uh, so many people out there who are just not jumping on these opportunities, um, is, is empowering. Uh, and, and a lot of it is just going for it and being willing to make the mistakes and course correcting as you go. Uh, tenacity and, and, and the hunger are so much of the success, uh, elements, um, so, really, just having the the will to to go for things, um, and knowing that um, most of of uh, of the success is in the execution and the the ability to to solve problems as you as you go, um, not to be afraid to, to to take those jumps.
0: I'm curious as well, from two successful entrepreneurs, how long should you wait until dissolving a company if it's not working out for example you have an idea you make it happen you get a prototype you bring it to the market and you know six months and you don't have two orders do you give up if you're incredibly passionate about it or do you just keep taking out loans or whatever
2: uh well i mean i think that that would be very specific in every case and it's like an intensely personal uh, assessment. I think you should always be uh, ruthlessly um, sort of self-aware and rational about your situation. I wouldn't advise anybody uh, taking out successive loans and, and putting their family or themselves uh, their their you know ability to sustain themselves at risk. Uh, that's my caveat. But I, I would say that. Um, you know, you, you you pivot, you you make course corrections, you listen to your customers. You, as Sophie said, it's so important to just get reactions and understand your market. Um, it, there's so many reasons that a business can be unsuccessful, and some of them are just entirely external. Uh, if the if the market is collapsing or something, that's a great uh, instance where maybe uh, you do uh, you know make a call that you. But this isn't the right time for your business. But but many problems are solvable through tenacity, finding the right team, finding the right partner, uh, making sure that you have the right product market fit, uh, and that's not a one in one and done scenario, right? You have to you have to make adjustments as you go. It's it's a dynamic endeavor forming a business.
0: In terms of both of yours, also personal growth. What is the goal here? Now you continue to create different companies, do you want to eventually sell them? Do you love, is there something about startup culture that you really enjoy and love?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think certainly there's a lot about the startup culture and community that we love, but definitely the goal isn't to just start companies and sell them. That's never been um, my goal, even though I love entrepreneurship and have kind of forced my force my career path to this point. This is something we're super passionate about. We've really lucked out that we've found something where we feel like there's a big opportunity, but it's also a huge personal passion of both of ours. And getting to make the world better for animals is something we're really, really excited and, and um, you know, really excited about. And I think that in and of itself is a really lofty and um, worthwhile goal. So that's, been our sort of um our north star and one that i i think at least i am really excited about just continuing to track towards
2: yeah i I think uh echoing sophie's point um the the excitement is in the building and 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 having the, the excitement about startup culture is 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 the building right um and uh there's no limit to what we can build with this this is our um, Fable is our platform, and and uh, there's it's a it's a lifetime's work potentially of of building um, the best essential products for for pets and their their owners, and making sure that you're uh, optimizing the experience and enriching uh, those those relationships through through excellent product design. Um, that's I think we're both confident that that's a fulfilling endeavor for us, and um, and building and. and, and And fostering the the growth of this company was uh, exciting in its own right.
0: I love that you say that because I relate to that as an entrepreneur. I think there's some days where I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Or, like, you know, during the summer, everything's so slow. And I think part of being an entrepreneur is the excitement of you have no clue what is happening. And I don't know if you guys can relate to that. And then things will happen so fast and then they go so slow. And I think that question of like, you know, what is next? What is next is what keeps you wanting to be an entrepreneur versus go back to corporate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. My last question for both of you is from what you've realized about entrepreneurship, is it all hard work? Is it all luck? Is it
1: 50-50? I, I'd certainly say it's more than 50% luck. There's certainly quite a bit of luck involved. But as Jeremy kind of alluded to in, in a previous question, you do have to, every time you have an opportunity, you have to maximize that. So, you know, you get these pockets of what seem like kind of small opportunities. You have to go hundred percent at those because you just don't know when you're going to get the next one. And it is mostly challenges and mostly obstacles to overcome. So, um, you know, I, I don't like the Term, you, you make your own luck, but there is a little bit of truth to that. Um, it is a lot of it is out of your control, but anytime you get a chance to maximize something that's within your control, you really do have to jump on it.
2: Yeah, well said. I
0: agree. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for taking the time to be on the podcast this week. I hope everyone listening has learned something about college or startup culture from two incredibly successful ceos where can everyone find out more about both of you on social media as well as fable
1: um well to learn more about fable definitely visit our website it's www.fable.com or follow us on social media at fable pets um yeah we'd love to hear from you guys so absolutely you know dm us or email us and and uh We're
0: very responsive, so. Well, thank you both again. Thank you for having us. Thank you more for being here. I really appreciate, like I said, you guys taking the time for everyone who is listening and wants to know whether to pursue that idea or not. Take it from these two. They have left that stable job to pursue multiple different companies, and it always works out. In my opinion, if you have that idea and you're passionate about it, it might not work out. At the beginning, but it does work out and it takes a lot of hard work. So don't ever give up on your idea.